Welcome to Learning with Lowell. I'm your host, Lowell Thompson. We cover biotech and science-related topics on the show, such as startups working on antibiotic drugs or colon cancer, to venture capitalists talking about funding and how that worked, to people talking about how they found a science-backed startup. Two, and this is one of my favorite parts, people talking about specific science-related topics, such as whales or protein engineering. You're really going to get a lot, and it's all going to be about science on this podcast. Today we're joined with Christoph and Mike, co-founders of Silaris, a company backed by Y Combinator that is looking to develop VR method to combat poor mental health and eventually help supercharge positive mental health as well. We get into what they've developed, some of the struggles they've gone through. We have some rapid fire questions at the end. And for those who don't know, I will be in San Francisco and Boston areas this month. So if anyone's looking to meet up or anything like that, please send me a message. I'd love to meet anyone who's a listener. So let's get into this. Where did the name Silaris come from? Like, where, where does that come about? Wow. We're, we're starting with a great story here. Yeah. We were officially first called EMDR VR. And as you might have noticed, that's not the best marketing term in existence. We had some people asking us if it was like a disease or something or if you would get electrocuted. The name didn't really resonate that well. So we decided to rename our company to a more yeah, marketing worthy name. And we had tw- quite some trouble coming up with this. I think at one point we decided, okay, guys, let's have a brainstorm. Let's sit down with each other get the whiteboard and start making names. I think after 70 or 80 names, we decided this is a bad approach. Let's not do it. And we tried some more experimental things to come up with a name. Um, we were running around the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were running around a table uh, first clockwise and then pointing at things in the room, saying anything except for the name that object was. That's an exercise you do in improvisation, you, improvisation classes normally. Then, of course, counterclockwise, same thing again. Then we went to the jacuzzi, we sat there, we brainstormed. And I think after one and a half days, we were looking at the stars in the jacuzzi, and you there see Polaris, the northern star. And there, something resonated inside of us, like, wait a second. We have the northern star called Polaris, and that's the star which always points to the north. It can show you your true way. Now, what you do if you add psychology before that, you get Psylaris. And the whole meaning of the name is then that we use psychology, to point you towards your true north, your true self. That is really good. That's a good story too. Like it may, it like sinks me in on what you want to do. I like that. Yeah. I think but, the crucial part though is that we were sitting in the jacuzzi and it was also raining. Yeah, also. <laughs> <laughs> that was, well, not crucial. But yeah, it was fine. That is probably the most unique way I've, I've heard yet of how to find a name. I'm definitely, the next time I have to name something, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the exact same process. <laughs> And then if it, if I come up with like really fun one, I'll, I'll I'll like update you and be like, hey, your advice worked out. Yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> it's even more fun if you do it in a group. Yeah. So uh, not not just by yourself. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll join you. It's fine. We'll join you. <laughs> all right. You can help. You can like guide me through it. So who all is a part of the team, and like what are the the unique things that they bring to the team to make Silara successful? Well, it's uh, it's Mike and me. I started without Mike and then I got into uh, well white combinator like it's this is all in a nutshell you can uh, you can discuss like the whole story after afterwards but anyway I invited Mike into the startup well actually Mike you're you're yeah that's actually a pretty funny story, story is, also indeed so um, many stories man I was <laughs> working for a pretty okay pretty actually nice job at a corporate in Holland I was having a good time there I was in the innovation department had a well-paying salary had a nice apartment nice car everything was actually going really well in my life 
But in December, I thought like, yeah, that was December 2017, by the way, decided like, I need some more excitement in my life because every single day I wake up now, I go to the office and it's not that exhilarating. You miss this drive in your life, you, the, a reason to wake up. So I decided in 2017, in December, my new year resolution will be make my life more exciting in 2018. And I was thinking like, maybe I go to Berlin and join a startup. Maybe I go to something really wild, Tel Aviv or something. And I think two or three weeks later, I got a call from Christoph saying like, Mike, I'm in Silicon Valley at the moment. I'm having this startup, which is part of Y Combinator. And yeah, would you like to join? Because I need some business expertise. I think I took about 0.5 seconds to scream through the phone. Yes, I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) So I canceled my contracts, I canceled my apartments, put my car away, and basically got in the airplane and went to Silicon Valley with no formal contracts and only the um, yeah the verbal commitments, we're going to make this company big. Uh, I can tell you, that was the easiest sell ever. <laughs> <laughs> Christoph, what made you want, other than the business expertise, of course, but like what made you know uh, Mike would be able to bring that? Like, were you guys friends before? Or? That's a good question. Um, I, I knew Mike from before, so we were in high school together. We're part of the, the same friends group. And then when I started uh, university, I subletted a room. And that was the first room, you know, moving away from the parents. And that was actually from Mike. And it was this, well, not beautiful room. <laughs> it was just... Uh, it was a shithole. It was a shithole. <laughs> you can censor that if you like. Yeah. Um, but it, it was amazing. It was my first place. And... Um, well, we had quite some some beers there, and then afterwards, when I got a new room, it was well, it was a coincidence actually, but it was the one next to that. So we also became neighbors after that, um, and then we didn't see each other for a for a little while. We just went our, our separate ways. But uh, yeah, when I when I thought about you know who to get into the company, that was the first name that popped up in my mind. There was no question about it. Yeah, and for me, during that time of living together, well, living next, next door together, you <laughs> do build a certain trust and you know what's going to happen when things go on. Because in a student household, you, you probably also know things get messy, things get dirty, people yell at each other, etc., etc. And with Christoph, I always had the sense like this guy knows what he's doing. He's always reasonable and he makes true of his promises. So when he made the phone call, I knew for sure if I go there, everything he tells me is going to be true. Like it seems like a very effective way to meet a good co-founder is is really to be doing things specifically that are annoying. Like go find something that like go hike a mountain with a group of people, or right? versus like going and having like a re- relaxed dinner. Like it seems like challenging things like living in a student house and, and having like a lot of conflict there kind of shakes out who a person is. Would you guys agree with that? Or no, I definitely think. Um, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but um, just like diamonds are formed under pressure um it's at those times that you can also see well someone's true form if everything's easy life is easy so no i i would agree with that yeah you need to know what you what the other person will do in stress situations because a startup as we all know i mean you have ups gigantic ups but you also have gigantic downs and you need to know what you can count on then and if you have somebody which you never had a stressful relationship before with they might become a totally different person and then yeah break the startup up Mike, when you, because I, I assume this was like a first trip to Silicon Valley for you, and probably Christoph for you too, because it's like you're you're from like the Netherlands region. So when you both went to Silicon Valley, because I'm gonna be going there in a couple of weeks, so I'm, this is like a personal question, I suppose. But is it does it live up to the hype? Like, because I always hear very positive things about the opportunity, the the environment. Like, did it as someone coming from like a, literally a an ocean away? Like, what was it like? 
So for me, it's kind of hard to answer what Silicon Valley was exactly like, uh, because for me, it was also just seeing the United States. I come from Europe. Um, the impression we get from the United States, for me personally, is mostly from, well, Hollywood. <laughs> so um, it's it's basically walking through streets that, that look American, that are American, feels like you are walking through a scene in a movie. And it feels very surreal because you've never seen it before. And at the same time, you have seen it before so much times, uh, so many times. So that's that was very, very curious experience. Um, and then also the first night we had a, um, a motel and it was in a well, it was dark when we arrived. So we were walking uh, through the streets, just having a like have a walk. And we heard like police sirens and they sounded differently because they were American and not the ones we have over here. And it sounded like a movie. And we were wondering, is this is this normal? <laughs> you always have police racing around, a police helicopter even with the whole searchlight situation. Um, so are we that are we that sheltered in Europe, or is this just uh, is this normal? Uh, but apparently we were just in a shady neighborhood and we shouldn't have been walking around there at night. <laughs> but that's another, that's another story. Silicon Valley. Before I came there, I watched the HBO show Silicon yeah, Valley. Yeah, that's a good show. And uh, it is, yeah, absolutely love it. But yeah, uh, I mean, I've heard commentary that it is very realistic, a very good depiction of what's happening over there. Yes. Yeah, I see Mike smiling over here. About the show, it's indeed completely true. I also watched it and everybody told me it's very realistic. And once you're sitting there in Silicon Valley itself, you have all these experiences and you think this show is just 100% true. You go through all the ups, the downs, and you th when you think it's it's getting ridiculous, it's that ridiculous as they picture it in the show. It's amazing. Also, the whole experience in San Francisco, it's, I, mean, I had a picture in my mind like it's going to be a big city, people are going to be tech-savvy, focus on startups, invest a lot of money. But the second you're actually there and you talk to investors and to other startups, you know that the whole mindset is different from Europe. Mm -hmm. So yes, it lives up to all the expectations. It's amazing. And you will definitely like it. Not for sure. I mean, worst case scenario, I'll just fly away. But the, or die, yeah. <laughs> I won't go dark. But the, so <laughs> is there is there really people like Galvin, Gavin Belson there? Like there's like two people I want to know about. Does, does Gavin Belson, have you met someone like that? And then the the big guy with the curly hair that, that was like the head of the incubator? Ehrlich Bachmann, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Bachmann, do, those, yeah. do those two people exist? Have you met people like them? I did meet a Bachman, yes. <laughs> he didn't look like one, but he definitely acted like one. Like he was the greatest mind of them all and didn't really do anything except for some small startup he had years and years ago. <laughs> Gavin Belson, so look at uh, prison, huh? Can't, can't say I have. I mean, I was kind of kind of locked away in our three-bedroom apartment just writing code at the time. So, <laughs> I'm 100% sure he is out there. But maybe not on our level yet. Maybe he's running some other gigantic company, which we didn't talk to yet. But um, I know he has to be there. But the Bachmans, they're there, definitely. Well, Bachmans are the easy ones to achieve. It's, you got like that first rung of success, and then it's, you kind of live off of it. Uh, they're probably also more like more approachable, more in, in your view when you get there than the, the hoodie bosses in their uh, campuses. <laughs> I think it's weird kind of like living off your laurels. If you if you did one thing great, like why not work twice as hard and do more things great? You know, like no one's ever offered me millions of dollars. So I, maybe one day when I have that, I'll, I'll consider it. But I'm not really a, the type of person to relax. I like to work on things. You do have people there, actually a lot of them who had one big success and then do another one and another one and another one. It's, they get addicted to the startup life. And to me, also, the, the idea pops up like, okay, these guys have now, let's say, 400 millions in the bank. And again, they do the startup thing again. 
And when you talk to them, it's just a sort of an addiction to make a great idea big again. And they don't care about the money as much anymore because they have enough and just are there for the mission. So you also have the uh, the anti-Bachman. <laughs> just keep going and going and going. Kind of a funny question then. On a scale of Bachman to anti-Bachman, how do you how do you guys think you scale up? Like if there's a spectrum where you're like the, the type that like gets a success and just kind of like lives off of it versus the type that would have a success and then keep wanting to keep building. Like how would you... On a completely made-up scale, like how would you like put yourself one to ten? Well, same here. I mean, uh, no one has help, has offered me millions either, but <laughs> I would place myself on the the anti-backman end of the spectrum. Um, I mean, the thought you know, the thought experiment. What would I do if I if I won the lottery or whatever? Uh, just sitting and doing nothing is not something that comes up in my mind. And uh, I see Mike nodding here, so. Uh, I handle my uh, vacations quite often. I love to travel the world, and I usually go away for three to four weeks to some exotic country, to, to Vietnam, Nepal, Nicaragua, stuff like that. And every single time I'm on a vacation like that, then I go to the beach, and I think I sit there then for one or two hours and realize, damn, this is boring. I need to do things. I need to be alive and build things. Mm-hmm. And also after those vacations, when you had your relaxation time then, two to three weeks, then you have this energy burning inside you to build stuff again, to keep going. Because I don't believe it's in us as humans to sit down and relax and don't do anything anymore. We should be building things and making the world a nicer and better place. Yeah. After graduating, it took me a little while to um, find something I wanted to do. I had friends who just went with the first job they could find uh, while looking for something better. Um, that was never an option for me. I mean, I I did enough to get money, but getting stuck in a job that you don't love doing or where you were not really doing something at all, that was not an option. So um, I looked around for quite a while. And then, well, when this came along, actually, it was for the first time in my life that I actually had a, had a goal. So it felt like this this is what it feels like to, to build towards something. And uh, I don't think I can go back to, to before. So this is definitely starting this. Uh, was one of the biggest changes in my life and uh, yeah doing nothing no that's not an option so is there anything that makes you feel like now is the perfect time for something like Solaris to come around and so it wasn't really (laughs) this could sound terrible not a very well thought through plan or approach um, fueled by uh, by certain situations happening in the world Um, actually it was very very organically Uh, I guess maybe the the like Renaissance of VR played a role in it since we're on a VR platform there. But actually the way it happened was that uh, I was sitting in the park with uh, some friends and those friends are therapists and they were just talking about, um, well, how, how messed up the situation is currently in the whole mental health care system, how people wait way too long before they get treatment, how much you have to pay for treatment. Right? They were just <laughs> really raging on that. And, um, so we started this discussion how technology could play a role in that because I, at the time I was working for Allspace VR and I was totally into VR and I, was, I started programming a little bit myself, which I delayed for way too long, by the way. So everyone listening, if you're thinking about picking up programming, just just do it. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking, what if we put healthcare, mental health care in, in an app? In a VR app that you know makes it makes it more real, and you could really trick the brain with that. Because with my background in psychology and cognitive neuroscience, I I am very fascinated by the fact that some some little screens in front of your eyes can trick your brain the way they do. 
So we are, um, well, big fan of that. So that is where the idea basically started with. And we started spitballing, just brainstorm sessions. And that is, uh, well, that's pretty much where it began. Just to kind of jump in, I think you've got more things going for you for the environmental factors than maybe you're aware of. I think we we talked about this in the, we keep calling it pregame, but I don't think that's probably an appropriate way to call it. But in the United States, like things keep getting closed down, like something like this. Right. I mean, it's not like we're just doing that because it's, well, it's fun or something. There is a, a big problem, a big problem. And that is, I guess you're right. That's the context. That's the environmental factor that we're providing a solution for now. What about you, Mike? Actually, I completely agree with uh, Christopher here in this sense. So you have an app, you have the VR. Like if I had the app and the VR and I was like, I'm afraid of heights. I, I am afraid of heights. How would it help me? Like how would, how would the process work? And you could use me as an example or you could just, I don't know, talk about the process. Okay. First of all, the fear of heights is something we cannot really tackle with this module. It is possible, but it's not perfect ideal for it. It's mostly used now to reduce negative memories. So let's take a negative memory of yours. An example, do you have anything? I mean, I almost died a bunch of times. Imagine that one of those times you, when you think back about that, you ex, yeah, you experience stress, you don't feel that good, and it's kind of bothering you. What happens then is you take the VR headset, you put it on your head, which makes sense, I guess, and the app starts. In the app, you have uh, the option of choosing between a bunch of rooms in which you will have the session. You can be take uh, a nature room where you sit in a quiet forest environment or a more yeah, apartment setting. And you get the choice between either a male or a female voice because we notice that a lot of people have really different preferences in that. Some people love a girl voice, other people love a man voice. Anyway, in the session, that lady or person or guy will explain to you what we're going to do. So he's going to tell you about the type of therapy we're going to use, what type of exercise we're going to do, and basically ease you into the whole process. After that, you will get the task to think of your bad memory to make it really vivid again. And in the app, we have some exercises for that to make it extremely vivid so that you're really in the moment and you feel yourself actually, yeah, feeling a bit bad again. That's the whole point of it. Then comes the EMDR parts. In EMDR, um, you have distraction tasks and you think then of your bad memory. And at the same time, you do some sort of exercise, which has no emotional um, charge. charge indeed. So we're very neutral something. This could be listening to um, little clicks in your ears. This can be following a sphere with your eyes or yeah, things like that. Then our app takes you through that and you have a couple of sessions with that, a couple of um, iterations. The effect then, what will happen is that your brain will associate your bad memory with the neutral memory of the following the sphere and make the whole package a bit less negative. The session then ends and you end off with a bit of mindfulness to get you back in the world again and ease you down a bit. Now, the effect of that usually is that people feel better afterwards. Inside, you have something <laughs> called a SUD that for, stands for, look at Christoph. Subjective unit of distress. Exactly. That's our measuring points. And let's say you start on a seven and you end on a, on a six or something, then indeed it became less. So that's basically the current module we have, and we're going to expand that to a whole different field to make it more personalized, to make it more uh, interactive, etc., etc. Basic idea. Have you guys considered at all in the future at any time having optimizing mental health, like promoting positive behaviors or something like that? I get what you mean. So not just um, improve people who are feeling bad, but also people who are well feeling okay um, to promote 
better uh, a better lifestyle like that? Or yeah, yeah, you you, you described it much better than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, this is just the first module of what will one day become uh, a total software suite of um, mental health care apps. It's actually funny that you ask because while we were still in Silicon Valley, we were thinking what will be our approach in this? Will it be from feeling minus one to feeling zero or from zero to one? Um, so what we're starting now with is indeed the minus one to zero, if that makes sense. Like you feel bad, you want to feel okay again, better. But in the future, there will definitely be uh, a place for well, self, self-perfection, self I guess, yeah. self-improvement like that. I feel like people would just like eat it up like hotcakes because especially in Silicon Valley, like there's a very strong desire to like self-improvement. Have you heard of something called the Da Vinci? It's where you're able to conduct surgeries from remotely. Ah, da Vinci, yeah. Yeah, the surgeon robot, yeah. right? That thing is pretty yeah. amazing. Have you, is there any application there for what you developed where you can get like highly, like the best people in the world on the other end, like coaching people through VR experiences at the same time, like as like a premium service? That also is not something that is in just yet. Um, we have given it some thought, actually putting a therapist in there. Um, at the same time, though, it, that would not be solving the whole issue of... Um, availability right because you still need the therapist uh, it would be it would be a good stepping stone actually if you could if that well doing that way you could find therapists that have less of a waiting list and you kind of guide people over there so you have a central system that that basically determines who gets therapy where and that's being optimized instead of just people going to the clinic that's nearest or something like that um, so that actually uh, makes sense um so for now, we're going to be indeed helping the psychologists, the therapists, um, a lot also to make his job easier. And he can then use our products to treat the patients in an even better way. But the extremely complicated situations are always treated best by therapists. And indeed, if we have one day perfect AI, let's say in, uh, in 50 years, then the possibility comes that somebody might take over. Although you always will have the aspects of um, the social interaction between your therapist and yourself. But that's indeed, uh, as Christoph said, far in the future, right? Or they've already begun and they're hiding in plain sight. That's what (laughs) that could also be. Yeah. Uh, I think it's... Did you you turn on Skynet? Was that you? I wouldn't tell you. Like, they would... would, I'm only allowed (laughs) to live as long as I don't spread it. Spread the truth. I'm I'm allowed... I'm like a goat. Like, or like a petting zoo. Rule number one. Got it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I tried tried giving the three, uh, three laws of robotics. They didn't like it, so... You know, like, Uh-oh. thou shalt not hurt humans or allow to come to harm or something like that. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. The, someone asked me, like, what what are the, like, the, the what's the third law of thermodynamics? And I answered it that way. And the, it took them the longest time to realize I was joking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly not it. It has nothing to do with heat. But, I mean, that's what I get from messing with people. So, are there... Are there key partners or key people that you want to have on your team or to be working with that you don't have yet or that you do have yet and are able to talk about? Since we are in the whole EMDR fields, it would be best, of course, to have the best EMDR experts in the world on our team for this module, so to say. And if we have to talk names, then that's going to be Shapiro, the original creator of this therapy. But uh, I think getting her on the team will be quite a challenge. And if that's not possible, then we need to surround ourselves with the experts in this field. And we are currently looking into the leading factors of that. So we're still uh, on the go there. But we're actively looking for some people who can really guide us in the 
different approaches to take because we are using a slightly different approach than traditional EMDR because that normally takes up to an hour or one and a half hours even a session. And our session only takes 20 minutes. And to make it that condensed, you do, of course, need to look really carefully what is suitable for this and what is not suitable for this. And the help of an expert would be, well, appreciated. Because we do have, of course, a lot of people helping us at the moment. But if you have the big names in the field, that will always help your products achieving more um, recognition, uh, yeah, credibility. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always the, I think there's a Tim Ferriss, the podcast startup guy. Mm-hmm. He, he says, like, you should always ask yourself, like, how, how would this look if it was easy? And so, like, if you have people like that on your team, it kind of makes it easy. Like, it, it makes the conversation go by easy. It's funny that you say that because the second I finished talking, I was also thinking from a business perspective, I would love to have Tim Ferriss. <laughs> but he is, yeah, sadly out of the whole startup scene. So uh, I won't bother him with this at the moment. But I do know that he's also very interested in social, if not social, in um, um, psychological treatments to help people with depression and stuff like that. Yeah, and he, he would be particularly... But at the same time, like, I don't think you ever really retire. I think... He, he, needs. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you, like... not I'm not advocating this, but, like, if you ever saw him and you're, like, having dinner with him, like, hey, by the way, this is something that you might be interested in. Would you would you be up for giving, like, two minutes of advice on this? Cause, and ask him, like, a couple of key questions. He seems like the type of guy that would like that. Very, very anti-Bachman, definitely. <laughs> he is indeed there, and I'm very sure that if I would meet him in a in a bar at a dinner or something, he would definitely give advice for two minutes. He probably wouldn't mind that. But getting in touch with him from Holland all the way to uh, Texas, that might be a small obstacle. There was this guy on Reddit where he was trying to get a hold of someone, so he sent them a, a, like a bird, like a, like a plastic bird, saying like, I was trying to get a hold of you, so I sent like a carrier pigeon. And the person responded back right away and like got in touch with it was like a big name person so like there's there's always a way like if, if there's like a key person you want to get a hold of i always feel like there's always a way with the, the podcast whenever i want to get a hold of someone i just i just keep trying you know like worst case scenario won't work you know best case scenario you get a hold of someone yeah. right like i try with you guys i, I was only 10 percent confident i'd get a response <laughs> now we're talking right. I'm, I'm taking but, notes um, here Plast, plastic bird you say right yeah, <laughs> yeah. well yeah. he probably likes game of thrones so the, the, the advice i gave someone else is like Find out what they're interested in, and if it's Game of Thrones, like send them a raven and be like, "I didn't want to be like everyone else, so I thought I'd send you a raven and ask if, <laughs> if you would, if you would have like a, a fun Skype session with us." And I, I think that'd go over. Like, I think you could do it. And if it does work, please tell me so I can like be like, "Yeah, I helped them with that." I will but, definitely um, tell you. Absolutely, I will try to get a hold of him. Like you said, it's, it's it's all about trying and everything. It's also something we learned in uh, Y Combinator: the uh, the power of follow-ups. Because you have quite a lot of people who ask, ask like one mail and that's it. But if you keep following up in a nice, non-bothering way, people will eventually send a nice reply back. At least that's my experience now. So indeed, you're completely right. Try it. In the worst case, you get a no. Like if seven days go by or something like that, then I think as a rule, you should send someone an email. Because it probably just fell through the crack. That's also the advice we got. And at the same time, if you send a follow-up question or a follow-up email as a reminder, never make the person feel guilty about not replying. Because the second you do that, they will no longer reply. But if you respond to them like, hey, you might have a vacation at the moment or you're being very busy, don't mind about it. Just wanted to friendly remind you of uh, this and this question, etc. Do it like that and you will probably get a response back. Is is there, of all the applications you're you're potentially going to work on after the speechhead one, is there one that you're most excited about? Like, is there one that's like, wow, I can't wait until I can do that one? Looks like it'll be fun. So for me, I guess it's more, so this is not really content-wise, but 
starting to experiment with augmented reality. Um, but I guess that's more fueled by my 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 interest in augmented reality hitting mass market. Uh, so really on the product side, um, right now it's all very very high pressure, and I'm just living uh, sprint to sprint. Uh, so I'm actually happy you you're asking that question because it's important to keep keep an eye on the long run. So we should have uh, take some time out and just discuss. Uh, discuss the future there uh, i think that's important on on more levels than just the product side by the way um you, you can, it's so easy to get caught up in um well day-to-day -day operations and there's a meeting and you have to prepare for that uh, it's important to keep an eye on on the future um so i'm not sure if that answers your question but it definitely uh, gave me some insight on <laughs> the current situation so thank you for that there tends to be at least two or three questions i ask where i can tell it kind of gives someone like an a mini existential crisis where it's like, I haven't thought of this. I should be thinking of this. But, <laughs> you know, it helps. Give us more. Give us more. <laughs> Do you have any, like, beta customers at all? We actually have real customers already. Oh, okay. I thought we were in beta stage. It, it, it's all done? Or I thought we had, like, six months before it was could be in people's hands. Am I mistaken? Uh, we have the consumer version and we have the B2B version. And at the moment, we are focusing on clinics first and a therapist himself to give it to the patient. Because the B2C version, where we would sell it directly to a to you or me or somebody like that, that will probably still take a while because we first have to make extremely sure that our product is working, that there are no complications, and that it's also in safe hands with a normal consumer. Because we are giving them the tools to uh, make negative memories more neutral. But at the same time, you have some people which might have a relapse or something. We don't know yet. Things could go wrong. And for that, we now have the B2B side with a therapist who then take care of that. So on the B2B side, we have customers. On the B2C side, we're not there yet. All right. So then what what is the response like? You seem like the type of people would be like, oh, so how did you like it? You know, like to, to make sure it's good. So what have they said? Coming from the psychology side, I was expecting, and also the way I just phrased it earlier, um, also I was afraid actually that the response would be very careful and very uh, very negative i mean at least with some people um because they thought you know we might replace them we might uh, take take their jobs <laughs> um but actually and i'm so happy to see this in every meeting so far with a um, with a customer with a sales demo all the therapists around the table are actively thinking with us it's like one big brainstorm session and not so much uh, us selling them the product. And at the end of each meeting, everyone is is very, very happy to just to give it a try to see how it would work. Uh, and that is something I could not have hoped for even. Uh, so, so far, response has been great. Um, though, of course, that is, I mean, that's slightly biased because that is the people that also contact us, right? That's the people that reach out. Um, but I mean, still, it's it's a group of ten people around on around the table, and everyone is at the end of it at least looking forward to to try it some more. How many people do you need, Mike? You seem like the type of person to have like mile markers. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, um, in that sense, we don't really need a amount of customers to keep building the products because we're going to do that anyway. We are aiming to have these 10 to 20 customers now before we can really evaluate the opinions of different therapists. Because if you ask a single one, you will get a different opinion than if you ask two of them. And I think with 10 or 20 people, somewhere in between there, you will have a nice subset of really knowing what should be changed about the app and whatnot. And after that, it will just be hitting mass markets and developing, testing, and building the product even further and further. What, what, what's the first end goal? 
The first end goal is actually one we achieved before we started the company, and that was the first customer. <laughs> because we went to them, we pitched the idea of our products, and they loved it so much that we immediately closed the deal and we could get started. We officially started the company after that deal. So that was a pretty good start. The next step for us is going to be when it's, um, well, at, at least 10 customers, and we can fully say that our product is now being used on patients and is effective. Because we now see in our testing, which we do with friends, families, strangers, people like that, we see very positive results. But of course, you want to see the inside of a clinical therapist and see if it also works there. That's our next part. Then we have something in Holland called, uh, well, you also have it there, of course, uh, the insurance. And the second, the, um, a Dutch insurance company says, Silaris will now be insured by uh, your normal insurance. That's going to be a big, big party for us. Because that's yeah. basically the approval Holland needs to adapt it for mass markets. What does it take to get insurance approval? Like, I, I assume there's probably something you have to do. But I don't know it. So like, what do, you, what do you have to do? It differs a bit. Most likely, they want to see some sort of clinical proof that our product is actually effective. And indeed, when people use it, their amount of sessions they need to become better goes down from 10 to 9. Or they feel better afterwards. Things like that, but then prove it in a clinical fashion. It's also an option that you do a pilot with them together, where they say it's effective enough. Even if there is no scientific background for it, it also functions. But it really depends on the type of insurance and yeah, the attitude towards the company. I, I think sometimes people think that like medical technology is very known in a sense. Like everyone kind of knows, like you move this lever, like this will happen, and because of X, Y, and Z. But as a fun fact, you know, like anesthesia, the stuff that they give you so you don't feel pain during a surgery. We don't know why yeah. that works. We don't know. <laughs> we we just use it. <laughs> I'm sure, like maybe one day I'll have surgery and it's gonna bug me, but. We don't know why it works. We just know like it'll we were like fairly certain it'll work, but we use it all the time. Oh, it works. So oh, <laughs> sounds like you give more than just uh, existential crises. I mean, <laughs> next time I'm I'm in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, probably like a mean thing to do, but whenever someone I know this person got out of surgery and I was like, they're like still under the anesthesia and they were getting off of it. And I was like, do you know that they don't know why that works? And he was like, thank you for not telling me before I went in. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm not a monster. <laughs> I mean, like you, you just asked about our uh, milestones, yeah, yeah. which also reminds me of our end milestone, of course, is where is this company going to? And that's still for us the ability to give everybody in this world access to mental health and healthcare, sorry. Right. And it includes indeed the African countries, it includes uh, refugees from Syria, even people who have no money whatsoever. There should be a way that they receive this form of therapy. And we hope, of course, that's going to be by our company. But if by some other chance a competitor stands up, he takes us over and they succeed the mission, well, it's not my preferred option, but it's also good. Yeah, just gotta start the movement. Yeah, kind of like the like the Elon Musk guy. Like he he built the the rocket company just trying to advance it, and as long as it pushed the needle forward, like he was pretty content. Also, a while ago, I think Boeing said like we're gonna beat you to Mars, and his response was do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that guy's funny. And that's the kind of competition we also want. We want to have competitors there who make this markets move forward faster. Oh, I love competitors. I think people who want like no. That's not as much fun without competitors. Like if I if I was in a completely new space that didn't have competitors, I would tell my company we didn't we had competitors and I would find someone. I'd be like, they're, <laughs> they're now our, our enemy. We must crush them. That, that's clever. <laughs> you got you always gotta have a fight with someone. All right, another existential crisis. What keeps you guys oh. up at night? 
What keeps me up at night? Yeah, what worries you? Well, sometimes it's just my upstairs neighbors. <laughs> to be completely honest, nothing actually. I still sleep like a baby, but if you ask me like what worries you, a lot of things, of course. Well, that's a good balance, though. Yeah, it's, it's something I learned somewhere in my life. I don't really know how that happened, but the ability to deal with stress comes quite natural to me. So when I go to bed and it's time to sleep, I can also actually sleep. Except on my birthday, then I get really nervous. <laughs> but the things that worry me, man, there's so many things, of course. We have, uh, on one hand, there was always the funding question, like how much Hanmei do we have left? How is the new customer going to get in the company? How do we do proper marketing? How do we get more scientific claims? How do we PR? How do we... Well, I can keep going for a while now, but if there is really one big thing that really bothers me, whew, I don't think so, actually. No, no, same same here, actually. Um, sleeping is, is not a problem, but well, that's also maybe the long days. <laughs> there is one thing. That's, are we doing the best thing now to make the most speed? Because sometimes I do sit up, not sit up, um, I'm sitting by my desk doing some things, and I realize, is this the right thing to do now? Am I now just, just keeping myself busy with some busy work? And that's something that worries me, that you're not doing the optimal things to advance as fast as possible. If you could change, for, for both of you, if you could change one thing about the company, what would it be? First thing that pops up is a tremendous amount of funding. But that's a pretty <laughs> easy sort of thing. Oh, I know one. VR is going to be at its height already. We now are in the beginning stages of it. And I would like to see the whole VR adaptation in the world on a much more mature level. Yeah. What, what's, your, what's your answer? I would like to see us uh, internationally because now we're, I mean, it's, it's nice to start organically and in the Netherlands. Um, I would like to be distributed, but basically, basically I'm saying like time travel, um, but being able to help more people right now. And uh, I mean, we're starting slowly because it's, it's good to do it, uh, do it properly. Um, I'm just hoping we're not doing it uh, too slow when we could be helping more people today. What have you learned this year so far that will be a game changer for next year? That therapists love our products because mm. we had we thought so long that they're going to hate it and they're going to be against us, as in this, as Fitzgerald before said, they have this attitude of they're going to take our jobs away. If we would have known before that they would actually love it so much, we could have collaborated with them way earlier, developed a product together with them and have now a even better solution. And since we know that now, we can even yeah, work faster again. Yeah, pretty much the same um, because with the whole product stuff um well what was that what did it say why see if you if you launch your product or if you show someone your product and you are not ashamed of it you're showing it too late (laughs) and i was definitely waiting too long to give give someone a demo of what i what 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 we had built what what is something that you're most proud of in the company the values we have we are working we're actually working towards a better world and uh i believe in silicon valley the the show again (laughs) one of the first episodes they have this party where they are promoting a new software platform for interchanging data, blah, 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 to make a better world. And they make the running joke in that show that every single company and startup is making the world a better place. That sounds awful, of course, but I do believe, I honestly believe that we are taking that spot. We are, I mean, I've already seen it. I've already seen people being held by our products. They had problems before, they used it, and they felt better afterwards. And when you see that, when you see that impact, you know that your company is making a difference in somebody's life. And that makes us also get up in the morning. Because Mm -hmm. if I wake up in the morning, in in comparison to my previous job, I worked a nice 40 hours. It was fine. But still, if you wake up in the morning, you feel a bit reluctant sometimes. Like, ah, I have to go to the office. 
in this startup job, I work at least the double amount of hours. My life is basically my work now. But every single time I wake up, I wake up with this energy like, yes, we're going to do this again. We're going to build this company to a tremendous point because we make a difference. And if this was a, let's say, an accounting software company, I would not have that enthusiasm. That's, yeah, that's a power. So I couldn't wake up with that. So I'm really proud of the mission we're doing and the values we have with that. Right. To- totally echoing Mike on that one. Um, of course, if it is your startup, you always, I mean, I, I hope you do, but you think it is, it is, it is making the world a better place. Um, but in addition to that, it's also nice to have this little sanity check where other people always respond so positively to when we tell about what we're doing. And that includes, you know, not just friends and family, like saying your mother, uh, <laughs> saying doing a great job. She always will, I hope. Um, but random people, um, maybe even coming up to you, telling them, do you have a job for me? I'll, I'll quit my old job. That is not an exaggeration. We've heard that a couple of times and we're not even big yet. It's really people believe in it. And that, that kind of <laughs> makes me, makes me realize I'm not, I'm not living a dream right now. Um, this is, this is something true. What do you do when you're not at work? I have a really strange hobby, actually. It's, uh, it's called a tuna. It's like the tuna fish. And it's basically a group of students who play Spanish music from around the dark ages. Let's say 1600, 1500, something like that. We dress up in costumes from that time period. And we travel the world and play music there. We play guitars, by mandolinas. We sing with that. It's, it's actually, it's really funny if you see it on the streets. I joined that group when I just became a student. So that's now, I think, 11 years ago. Well, it's getting quite old. Yep. Um, and I stayed a part of it every single time because if you're in the group, you really enjoy doing things because the second you pick up an instrument and you play a nice song for somebody and you see um, a whole building, a whole room of people starting to dance to your music, it does something with you. So that's one of my hobbies. Uh, what else to do? If I have any time left, I love to travel the world. But since I have the startup that's been put on a little, yeah, low-end fields, hmm. um, yeah, I feel really boring now because I used to have a lot of hobbies. I mean, the typical things, I, I snowboard, I surf, I love to climb mountains, but I haven't really gotten into that. So basically, aside from work, I try to keep myself physically busy. Christoph? I eat sandwiches. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am actually boring, um, but I do love to uh, just go for walks, um, especially during the like sunset hour, uh, really, really relax. Uh, maybe that is why I sleep so good at night, but um, being out in nature that i just just love it Uh, also makes me realize i don't need to travel because i can enjoy the little blade of grass just uh, on the corner um i play piano guitar also nice because i can just do that at home just take five minutes and get out of it for exercise it's badminton and beat saber (laughs) so beat saber (laughs) yeah so that's uh, i'm not sure if you're familiar with that you just throw beats at people or something I, i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so beat saber um is a vr game you are in the science fiction void and there's red and blue cubes flying towards you on the rhythm of the music and there's arrows on those pointing up down left or right and you have to hit them in the direction with um, of the arrow with uh, lightsabers in your hand and you know you can just do it very very dry try to score some points but if you if you throw yourself in there and you look like a maniac uh, that 
it's it's amazing it's a lot of fun and it's also a good exercise yeah you start sweating so much definitely give this a google we are not in any way linked to the guys we don't make any profit <laughs> of that but it's the best game on vr i've played so far and when i played it the first time it put me in this flow state i mean yeah. you've heard about that where you are with the game you're completely absorbed by it and i think i was playing it for half an hour and afterwards i was like wait a second how long have i been doing this i have no clue it was so much fun you look at the time like well half an hour that explains why i'm sweating so much it's awesome all right all right then well i'm gonna check that out and whenever someone says i'm not affiliated with someone i always think of those drug commercials where in really tiny print it says you you may die from this have a heart attack have a stroke and like so whenever i hear like we're not associated with these people but they're really great i just think really tiny print we're associated with them we get an affiliate link forever when we send their way say solaris to to like get like five percent (laughs) which is probably just me having too active imagination but For people who want to follow along, other than going to the Silaris, P-S-Y-L-A-R-I-S.com, is there is there any other good ways to like follow along with your guys? You can subscribe to our newsletter there on the websites. Oh, I'll get on that. And we, of course, also have a Facebook and Twitter, which we try to update with all the new things we're posting. And that's basically at Silaris for Twitter. And it's, uh, if you press in Silaris at Facebook, you'll also find us. It's really easy. The name wasn't taken yet, so... One more point, if people want to reach us um, in person, they can just send emails to our uh, Psylaris email, which is firstname.lastname at psylaris.com. And that was Mike and Christoph of Psylaris. We got into quite a lot, some rapid fire questions, what they've built, what they hope to achieve, how they love to get a hold of a few partners. So if anyone out there is connected with them, you know, send them over to Christoph and Mike because they really deserve it since they're trying to make the world a little better for people dealing with mental health issues. And I think that's something we all can get behind. Other than that, I want to inform people before we go that there is a new way to show support for the podcast and to keep it advertisement free from now until forever, which is called Patreon. If you go to Patreon and look for Learning With Lowell, you'll see this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at Lowell This Year, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday, new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends. Please and thank you.